Banking failures and economic crisis are weighing heavily on Americans. Senator Ron Johnson will discuss the economic situation and the pendant Trump indictment by Soros DA Alvin Bragg, as well as the origins of COVID and the rise of myocarditis cases in the military. And then economic strategist David Tykes will give us his forecasts on just how bad the economy will get and what measures we should consider to protect ourselves. And finally, healthcare has become entirely all too political, but who's to blame for this? Well, the founder and chairman of the wellness company, Foster Carlson, discusses the future of healthcare. Viewpoint this Sunday is next. the bias, the lies and deceit, and bring forth real talk from real people about real news, providing the out loud truth and capturing the essence of a new generation all in a fast-paced hour. This is Viewpoint This Sunday. Welcome to the Weekend News Magazine, Viewpoint This Sunday. It is Malcolm Allout here. Well, first thing on the order today, my fellow Americans, is uh, celebrating seven incredible years on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Uh, It is remarkable that it has been seven years. We launched this in 2016. It it was actually just coming up now, April 1st. And so these next couple of weeks, we'll be celebrating that. And, And the whole idea here was to help restore liberty and justice to our beloved America. That that was the key to this whole thing. As you know, here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. That's what this is all about. We'll jump right into the Weekend News Magazine now. We'll start off with Senator Ron Johnson is here. He's the, uh, well, he served, first of all, as the chairman of the Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee from 25 to 21. He's now ranking member for the Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations. Uh, he serves on the budget, foreign relations, and commerce, science, transportation committees, and uh, really at the center of a lot of storms actually brewing in Washington there. Uh, Senator Johnson, always a privilege to have you here on Viewpoint this Sunday, sir. Thank you. Good morning. Welcome. It's always a pr- privilege to come on. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And let's start with a really big picture here. Uh, it, uh, the, uh, let's talk first about the banking failures. So we have SVB, the Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, Silvergate, the decline of First Republic Bank they were trying to save. Keeping it real, economic forecasters uh, it, that I'm seeing are predicting a rough couple of years coming up. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about a serious economic crash in front of us over these next couple of years, looking at all the tea leaves, of course. Uh, They say that could rival the 1930s and the Great Depression. Um, You know, I don't like fear mongering and that sort of thing, but facts are facts. What do you see on the horizon from your perspective? Are the signs all there, do you think, for this kind of calamity? Is that a potential or is this fear mongering at best? Well, Malcolm, I've been predicting stagflation since early in 2021. Uh, I stopped voting for the COVID relief bills after the first CARES Act, mm-hmm. and I even had to hold my nose on that. When we started, first started talking about that first uh, COVID relief act, uh, this was in, in the March of 2020 timeframe. 
uh, when you know Anthony Fauci uh, convinced Trump to shut down the economy for 15 days, and you know, we, we did it to ourselves. Right. But uh, you know, I thought it was important that we set a very strong signal to the markets that we weren't going to let uh, uh, financial institutions collapse or weren't going to allow a contagion. We were going to you know do something big and bold. But we started talking about $750 billion COVID relief package within you know, it's Washington, D.C., so within uh, literally about a week, that was up to $2.2 trillion, which was way more than we certainly initially needed. And then we just helicoptered money into the economy. Um, it was sloshing around direct payments to individuals. Uh, I think 166 million people got a direct payment, even though the, the most of your downturns of employment was 25 million jobs. Now, again, that's a serious recession. But uh, 25 million versus 166 million, and we snapped back from that low within a couple months. Uh, so again, we, we were grossly irresponsible. Uh, and then when Biden came into office, uh, you know the, the economy was already roaring back. There was so much pent up demand in our economy, and again because of the you know th four previous COVID relief packages, there were trillions of dollars left unspent from those. Uh, you know, people personal savings I think were up to, like increased by $1.6 trillion. So the last thing we needed was additional stimulus, additional deficit spending, and then Democrats in power uh, have, have continued to pile on an infrastructure bill, a China bill. I mean, just there was no end in sight. And so very early in 2021, the start of the Biden administration, when they were talking about another COVID relief package, um, you know, I, 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 I was warning stagflation because you have, again, inflation is pretty easy to Defined, isn't it? Too many dollars chasing too few goods. Um, and it was setting up just a, a, the perfect, I kept calling it the witch's brew for, for stagflation. And uh, yeah, I think that's uh, what we've gotten. You know, hopefully it doesn't slip into depression. You know, these bank failures, you know, understand that these things didn't just happen. Uh, inflation didn't just happen. It was caused by really bad policy. And it was very predictable what would happen here. Uh, it was the inflation that forced the Fed to start increasing interest rates. The in increased interest rates caused the, the bond values to, to drop. Mm -hmm. And again, because of Dodd-Frank and the stupidity of, uh, of regulators, the kind of ignoring the duration risk, uh, saying that, well, if you held U.S. government bonds, they're, they're risk-free and you don't have to hold any reserves and capital for that. Again, we, we, we just do this to ourselves. It's, it's idiotic. Yeah. It's insane. Uh, it's unfortunately very, very predictable. But yeah. it doesn't seem like any of these regulators can predict it. Yeah. Well, you give a very good summation there to remind people of the recklessness uh, throughout uh, the COVID uh, period of spending. And then even afterward, there were no lessons learned. The problem is their idea to solve every problem appears to be to throw money at it. Your gut feeling, to, to, before we leave this topic, your gut feeling of these next two years, do we do we skate through this thing or... I mean, do you see any sunlight at all on this thing or or are you or sincerely, are you tightening your belt a little bit as well? I mean, I, I'm just trying to get a sense because I got another economic forecaster coming on the program today as well. I just trying to get a sense of this thing, Senator, uh, for people to really understand, because everybody's in a whirlwind of what's going to happen and what to do and, you know, buying this and buying that and just really concerned with the market here where, where they should put their dollars uh, what is, is it belt tightening right now, Tom, or do you get a sense that we're going to decline a little more potentially? No, Malcolm, I, I come from a 30-year background in manufacturing where you solve a lot of problems. And there's there's a process you go through, and the first step in solving your problem is admitting you have one. <laughs> properly diagnosing it, and Good then you know, figure out what the root cause is, right? 
Well, we had Janet Yellen before the Finance Committee a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I, I laid out you know, what I thought was the three primary reasons, reasons for inflation, massive deficit spending, their war on fossil fuel, driving up the cost of gasoline to record levels, high energy prices, and the supply dislocations from the, the uh, stupid uh, shutdowns. Um, she denied. She said, well, I, you know, I don't think massive deficit spending is one of the major causes. No, it is the major cause. So wow. we have the Treasury Secretary won't even admit Mm-hmm. what the main, the primary cause of uh, of the inflation is. So, again, when you're not even admitting you have a problem, I, I don't look with a great deal of confidence that this administration will mm-hmm. uh, diagnose it properly and, and, and really address it. And let's face it, the, the Inflation Reduction Act, you know, it's just more deficit spending. Now, there's an article in the Wall Street Journal, Goldman Sachs, is saying that instead of the 300-some billion dollars they predicted uh, these energy tax credits would uh, cost the Treasury, now it's more like about $1.2 trillion dollars. Mm-hmm. when people really start taking a look at it. Um, so, no, it's, it's Washington is still out of control. Uh, people still like spending money we don't have. Uh, unfortunately, that's kind of a bipartisan problem. Um, at least we've got people on our side, Republicans, that, that are willing to say no in the House and in the Senate. But uh, there's just not enough, not enough of us yet. Yeah, yeah. Let me move on to your thoughts uh, briefly about this uh, this uh, talk of the town here, this uh, D.A. Alvin Bragg and his indictment on the former president and presidential candidate. In fact, um, it looks like there he's it looks like it's sputtering a little bit. Uh, what just give us a summary of what your thought? I mean, everybody's got a pretty good sense. It's, we know it's a bit of a witch hunt and the political ramifications of this. Everybody understands that part. But what is your Got sense of what really transpires with this thing with Alvin Bragg. He looks like he's way overshot his uh, target here. You think? Well, without a doubt, it's a, it'd be a political prosecution. Uh, he's one of these DAs that uh, have been backed by George Soros, and George Soros has put all these DAs into these big cities that have uh, you know refused to right. prosecute real crime, uh, which has just led obviously to more crime in our streets in these big big democrat controlled cities getting even more and more dangerous and uh, so you know rather than cracking down on real crime he's you know going through this political exercise it, it might he, he may be having second thoughts i mean th- this you know this particular uh issue with uh, president trump has been looked at by federal prosecutors they declined to prosecute uh it's been looked at by you know his predecessor uh, he he declined to prosecute it looks like the statute of limitations would probably run on this thing. Uh, so, I mean, I hope it doesn't go forward. I mean, you know, we have we have serious problems facing this nation. We, we were just talking about the most serious one. I, I, I agree with Andrew Mike Mullen back in the 2010-11-12 time frame saying that the, our number one national security threat was our debt and deficit. And it's only gotten worse. Mm-hmm. So we ought to be focusing on that. How do we bring that down? How do we, how do we bring our deficit spending under control? Instead, we have all this nonsense going on, and uh, that prosecution is is one of the areas of nonsense. Yeah. A lot of people think it's just a career boost to get his name all in the. Yeah, it does happen a lot. They get their name out there in the spotlight a lot. Is Briefly, is that what it is for this Bragg fellow, you think? Is it just more publicity stunts that these people do? or Maybe for him personally, but again, he gets back like George Soros, who is part of the kind of cabal of the elite globally. Yeah. You know, they've got a game plan. I mean, they talk about uh, the, the Great Reset. Yeah. Um, they, they, they want control over over the economy. They say, you know, one of their statements was uh, by 20, whatever, 2035, uh, you'll own nothing, you'll be happy. Well, they'll be happy because they'll own it all. 
So yeah. they have an agenda and it's kind of like a magician. Mm. I look at so much of this stuff as just a distraction yeah. to distract the public away from the serious issues facing this nation. I, I try and remind people, remember, Venezuelans voted themselves into poverty yeah. in, in, over the course of a couple of decades. There's actually one vote for Hugo Chavez that put them on that path. You know, I fear America's on a on a similar type of path, and we we can vote ourselves. There's nothing guaranteed about our liberty and, and freedom and our prosperity. There's nothing guaranteed about that whatsoever. And uh, again, these individuals uh, pushing the Great Reset, uh, they continue to distract most Americans. Again, control our news media uh, so that uh, you know we we don't really understand the truth about what happened during COVID or vaccine injuries. I mean, there's a there's such a long list. Yeah. You know, the trusted news network where we're seeing through the Twitter files how you know government uh, was colluding with uh, these social media companies to censor the truth. Uh, for what purpose? And, you know, there, there was almost a four trillion dollar transfer of wealth, according to one study that Bobby Kennedy points out in his uh, pamphlet to, uh, letter to liberals. Four trillion dollar transfer of wealth from the middle class to the big tech social media giants during the pandemic. Yeah. Gee, I wonder why they were so supportive of the shutdowns. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mom, uh, you know, mom, pa business uh, suffered greatly, but uh, the big box did really, really well and big corporations and all of that through that whole uh, episode, of course. Uh, let's move on and talk a little bit about before I get to the origins of COVID in those last 50 pages, which uh, that could be a bestseller right there. The last 50 pages. Put that in a book, I guess. I don't know. Uh, let's talk about the uh, the spike. And, uh, and this is real now. The uh, the, the myocarditis uh uh, skyrocket and in the U.S. military. And we knew this was going to happen. We've talked about it at length here on the network. So we're well aware of that. Uh, but we're talking about a very significant spike here and the data now that's been disclosed by a whistleblower who has presented it to you. And um, and we're talking all of those vaccines that are authorized uh, with the EUA uh, are causing the, the myocarditis. What's the uh, the bullet point on this uh, story here? And I, I feel so much for our um, the men and women, um, soldiers who put their life on the lines and then were mandated to take this shot into some very dire situations. The first point to be made is that our government, our federal health agencies, the military has not been honest or transparent with the American public. Yeah. Uh, to the extent they have this information, they're not releasing it. It's got to come out via whistleblowers. So we've got uh, conflicting uh information on this. This, this was first uh, brought to my attention uh, uh, the day of our COVID-19 second opinion panel in January 2022, where they showed even far greater increases. And then uh, you know, we, we submitted that to the Secretary of Defense, and he said, oh, we have a glitch in our computer program. But to this day, they have not explained what that glitch was. They have not been transparent with us. Uh, you know, th there's so much we don't know about uh, what studies were bypassing these trials, but there, there's so much we do know in, from a standpoint of how they lied to us. You know, for example, the vaccine was going to stay in our, our arm muscle. No, no, no. They, they knew that uh, they were encapsulating this mRNA in a lipid nanoparticle they knew was designed to permeate difficult to permeate barriers like the blood-brain barrier. Uh, they knew because they had a study, Japan uh, foia this, and their, the biodistribution study of the lipid nanoparticle goes all over the body. It concentrates in organs like the ovaries. Uh, you know, they should have been concerned about that. Their VAERS system was screaming at them by, you know, February, March of the year. When, when I confronted uh, Francis Collins, I think, in March or April of 2021, about uh, the thousands of deaths on the VAERS, his cavalier comment to me was, well, Senator, people die. Oh, my God. But, wow. but 40%, back then, 40% were dying wow. on 
day of vaccination within day one or two. Now, now we're up to almost 35,000 deaths, Malcolm, wow. worldwide on the VAERS system associated with this COVID death, and 25% are occurring on the day of vaccination or within a day or two. Now, again, I know VAERS doesn't prove causation, mm-hmm. uh, but this is a bunch of cranks you know, putting information into this. So it's, it's, it's a felony to falsify a VAERS report, Okay. Uh, but the federal federal health agencies are ignoring this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As as by the way, they are ignoring all of this chronic illness in our children. How, how it used to be one in ten thousand children with with uh, autism. Now I think it's less than one in. It's more than one in fifty. Yeah, okay. and and the fear, Senator, is the problem is even bigger than this because you know, how many don't even report to theirs? You know how many don't even ever get there. I mean, that's a real low percentage. So this problem is even more serious than what you and I know right now. It, it is. No, I mean, the, the other hit of VAERS is it dramatically understates. So we, we, there's been studies that say only 1%. Yeah. Others say 10% are reported. I think with COVID, it's probably a higher percentage, but they're not all being reported because it's a pain to do it. Most yeah. people don't even know it. Doctors are being dissuaded or pressured not to report. Okay, so no, there, there, is, there has been a complete breakdown uh, in terms of the integrity of our federal health agencies, in terms of medical journals, medical research, medical science, our medical establishment, uh, the system is broken. And there's a big chunk of the American public that has lost faith. And this is tragic. It's tragic. You know, we need a federal health agency to guarantee food and drug safety. We need a federal health agency to gather information, disseminate, disseminate it honestly and transparently. We don't have that right now. Yeah. And we, yeah. we need doctors back on top of the, the treatment pyramid, you know, being in total charge of treatment of their patients as opposed to being crushed at the very bottom by the federal health agencies that are dictating how to practice medicine. And they don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you do have to ask yourself then, Senator, when people make these comments in high positions, well, you know, hell, people die. I mean, geez, yeah, as long as they're not your mother or father or wife or son or daughter, maybe that's okay for you. I don't know. But what happened to the to the to the to the sense of humanity here. I mean, we talk about what kind of an agenda this is and what happened with COVID. And potentially historically, the further we move away from the epicenter of this, we'll know more, maybe. But I mean, this is like something you nobody can explain. I mean, I don't know that you have any explanation as to why these people are so careless or 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 have no concern for human life. Or again, back to is this another uh uh, theory coming from George Soros or something. I, I don't know what the, what the hell's going on here with this thing. Any idea? Well, I mean, they're imperfect human beings. They, they are filled with hubris and arrogance, drunk with power, uh, think that they're so much smarter and such better angels than the but rest. But human of life is at stake here, Senator. Well, I, mean, I mean, that's all right to be that way uh, if it's just a, you know, a bar fight or something. But we're talking humanity here, for God's sakes. I don't get it. I was on a call very early in the pandemic when uh, uh, Anthony Fauci was proposing these shutdowns. And I asked him, you know, Dr. Fauci, are, are you considering the human toll of the economic devastation these shutdowns would would result in? He goes, well, oh, it's not my department, Senator. Somebody else has to worry about that. <laughs> Another cavalier attitude. And, of course, and now we're seeing, oh, and this man. is talking about the, the last 50 pages. I mean, the Anthony Fauci, yeah. Francis Collins emails. I mean, in, in the fully redacted form, they were incriminating enough. I mean, obviously, he's trying to cover up his funding of whether you call it gain-of-function research or not, highly dangerous research that they didn't control, that uh, they allowed, you know, the subcontractors out, those subcontractors that then were working with the, you know, the bat lady, 
the Wuhan Institute for, for Biology. I mean, you, you have to know if you're if you're sharing that type of dangerous research with people inside China, you're sharing it with the People's Liberation Army. Okay, um, so again, it's it's hubris, and now I think it's an enormous cover up. These people can't, they'll, they can't afford to be proven wrong, Malcolm, because right, right. your body count is way too high. Oh, so they, there you go. There you go. Wow. And, and unfortunately, they've got wow. the power to control yeah. the media. No, no, I mean, what you just said is thank you for saying that. The body count is way too high, they get, which is the answer, Senator, as to why I always ask on these programs to the doctors and the other, you know, they double down and triple down almost continuously. Even the FDA and CDC last week came out double and tripling down, uh, fighting with the Surgeon General here in Florida, as I recall, the DAPO, uh, sending him a scathing letter and all this. And, uh, you know, they constantly double, triple down on this thing. But you uh, you just nailed it right there for me. The body count is way too high now at this point. They're going to get, I mean, the only thing now is history will have to develop this and the fighters will have to stay on there and continue to reveal what's going to happen. Will we, with those 50 pages, do, do we ever get that? Does that ever come out or no? Does that? Well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I put a lot of pressure on uh, yeah, yeah. HHA Secretary Becerra this week. Um, we did again in the PISGAC hearing, uh, asking for the chairman of the committee and of the subcommittee to uh, join us uh, requesting it. It's, it's, it's how we got to 350 of the 400 pages, we, right. uh, you know, narrowed our the scope of our our request down yeah. as in combination to HHS. But we've been we've been asking for these last 50 pages for over a year, Malcolm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it, it always becomes political, doesn't it? I mean, I see your tweet by the way to Senator Gary Peters in Blumenthal uh, saying, "Please join me in pushing up Congress." And you know, on the surface, some of these uh, people might be with it, but then it always gets political. It seems like somebody gets in the ear and says, "You will not do that. You will not." And it always becomes a left-right fight, Senator. Always, doesn't it? Well, I mean, and what, what's partisan about this? I mean, th those emails right. Uh, right. occurred under the Trump administration. Right. I know Anthony Fauci. I think the left likes Anthony Fauci better than the right does. So I guess there's some partisanship there. But there should be nothing partisan about getting to the bottom of the origin of COVID. And quite honestly, yeah. you know, the, the U.S. government's funding of this dangerous research. We need to understand this so that it doesn't happen again. So right. this is right. happening. We can control it. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I want to talk about China in our last mo a couple of moments here. And, uh, it, you know, it's like everything they do now is in plain daylight. There's nothing hidden anymore or suspecting with the CCP. It's all in plain daylight. It's they're so cavalier is the word I've used about this whole like, hey, if you don't like, you know, same thing here with the TikTok thing. The CEO was, uh, you know, he was lambasted, of course, up there in the congressional hearings. Um, what what becomes of this, you think, this TikTok thing? Well, first of all, two good books for your listeners, uh, Sun Tzu's Art of War. Yeah, fantastic. And then Michael Kellogg's 100-Year Marathon. And one of the things he points out there is, uh, you know, one of the uh, benchmarks or, you know, one of the hallmarks of uh, Sun Tzu's Art of War is you never show the enemy the size of your cauldron, okay? Uh, you, you never show them exactly how strong you are. Uh, you you want to win the war without ever fighting a battle. You you do that by gaining information and intelligence on your on your enemy. That's 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 the Chinese way for literally millennia of 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 fighting. Um, and so it should concern all of us that they are now showing us the size of their cauldron. They they don't feel like they have to hide what they're doing anymore. That they're doing it with uh, you know, total, as you say, very cavalierly, uh, but uh, total impunity. Yeah. And uh, that 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 does concern us. 
Uh, the, the master stroke of the left was uh, gaining control of our university system. So they're, they're educating our educators to indoctrinate our children. And, you know, teachers are teaching our children all kinds of crazy and dangerous things. Uh, they obviously educate our journalists. So our, ed- our journalists are, by and large, radical leftists themselves that are, you know, they're on the same team. And so they'll do everything they can to cover up so that, uh, you know, they, they gain control. Again, it's the Great Reset. I, I don't know. I um it is, but it is it is a leftist attitude toward just about everything. And what a leftist attitude is: growing government to grow control of your lives. And when you grow government, you our, our freedoms necessarily recede. It's a direct relationship. And thank you for joining us here on Viewpoint this Sunday, uh, Senator Johnson. Really appreciate you, sir. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you, sir. Okay, well, let's take a quick pause here now, friends, and we'll join you just on the other side. You're listening to Viewpoint This Sunday. The America Out Loud talk radio app is on Android or Apple. It's the perfect way to listen in to the new generation of talk shows and hosts who are ready to inform and inspire. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day, yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday. It is Malcolm Out Loud here. I want to dive into a little more uh, economics right now. It's been a hot button for us here because so much going on in the economy. Let's follow that up now and bring on... Uh, Really privileged, excited to have on. David Tice is here as an economic strategist. Uh, he, he's had great success in, in the markets um, with mutual funds and things that he was a portfolio manager of. Um, you and I have not talked about any of this. I have no idea what your position is. That's kind of the way I like it. Uh, so I have no idea what your position is on any of the things we want to talk about now, which is perfect. So you'll give, you'll all be hearing it for the first time as listeners do. So I want to get a sense right now. We're now, we're hearing a lot of people are very unsettled with the market conditions, David, for these next two years. And there are those who are predicting a, a, a pretty serious decline that we have a, a something not pleasant in front of us. It's been noted that, uh, you know, could, could be something to rival the 1930s. Um, because of all of the factors, we know what's happened, the overspending, the dollars, of, the Senator just talked about it out of Washington, but the way the markets have been played, um, the way all of this COVID thing has been played, and now with the interest rates and where we're at right now, give us a scope of what your gut tells you over these next uh, couple of years and the rest of the Biden administration, what we're going to be faced with, please. Are you concerned? I'm extraordinarily concerned. So I'm a guy, I say that I've predicted nine out of the last four bear markets. 
And that's because I can be a little bit too early sometimes. And as a bear, I can underestimate the degree to which policymakers will kick the can down the road and essentially take choices that are not in the long-term best interest for the American people, but they're in the short-term interest just to kick the can down the road. Amen. And I think we've done that a lot over the last 20 years. What's happened is our policymakers ended up cutting interest rates very, very low. We've taken on this massive amount of debt, $33 trillion of debt, and we are not yet out of the woods. Some of these bad choices will result in a humongous, even bigger bear market. And we have $3 trillion of floating rate debt that's going to have to be uh, adjusted and mature and reconfigured over the next three years. And we have essentially raised rates faster than we've ever seen rates raised before. And what we've seen in a couple of these banks lately, Republic, Silicon Valley Bank, and now Credit Suisse is truly concerning. Do you see more banks falling in that uh, that light there? Yes, I do. And what's very interesting, I've followed this guy, Ambrose Evans Pritchard, for probably 20 years. Okay. And he just did a story talking about, and his title was that there's going to be a lot more financial accidents coming over the next year or two. And you look at the fact that Silicon Valley Bank, I mean, we've had banks had issues and go broke and get bailed out before. Right. Most of the time it's been from very bad lending books and, you know, getting ahead of themselves, et cetera. But What's happened there with Silicon Valley Bank, he points out, their loan book was not that bad at all. They essentially were buying long-dated treasuries, and essentially, uh, but they failed to hedge the fact that, obviously, long-dated treasuries have greater risk when rates go up. And that's what happened with Jerome Powell as he increased rates faster than we've ever seen. And that essentially you know, cause the bank to get in trouble and cause people to pull out. And, and essentially, we had to bail them out. Right, right. Well, with the rates going up, as you say, and I, I'm glad you point out that it's the fastest in history, because it seemed to me like it was very weird that way, very unusual. I don't recall seeing where every time you turn around, there's another hike, another hike, another hike, another hike, another hike. You couldn't catch your breath. And you really didn't even know how to plan as an individual, as a family, uh, as a business, you really didn't know how to plan, but you knew that, in other words, they were tightening the belt so quickly because they felt the pressure coming because of all the lackadaisical policies prior to that. Is that what took place? Well, exactly. It, it seemed as if, you know, hmm. Fed got behind the curve on yeah. inflation and inflation really surprised the Fed. And Jerome Powell felt like he had, should be like Paul Volcker. And therefore, he should increase rates dramatically. Well, let me ask you, why would they be surprised when they know basic economics? When you spend the way these people throw money at everything, David, I mean, every problem they solve or wish to even look at trying to solve, they think is about money. And they just do it out of thin air, obviously. How could they have to know 
that that is going to create such a havoc of inflation and and which it did people suffered greatly coming out of covid with the spike and everything including the decimation of our energy i mean all these things can't be coincidental can they no now the economy and the inflation factors are extraordinarily complicated because there's something called velocity and essentially that's how fast you know money moves around the system and velocity has been you know, in decline, essentially, I'd say mostly over the last 15 years to a decline that we've never really seen it. And so what's happened is the Fed has been able to print more money and keep interest rates lower than you would have thought because velocity has been so low, said to stated inflation didn't really pick up. And really this last bout of inflation has been more from supply side than it has been from the demand side. However, what the Fed's attack this inflation is all on the demand side by raising rates. And there's a lot of people, including myself, that feels like inflation is actually slowing down anyway, even without this massive increase in rates. It's just, just another little blip. Or are we in for some really hard times in the next two years? I think we have some very hard times for the next couple of years. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of Mm. one thing. I started the Prudent Bear Fund back in uh, 1996. And back then, individuals really didn't have the option to be able to invest bearishly. But one thing I've noticed is Wall Street likes to be bullish. Wall Street likes to fill CNBC and Bloomberg with prognosticators that are more positive. Wall Street likes individuals sitting around their breakfast table with their wives talking about how the market's probably going to go up. You know, we've already sorted out a decline in 2022, 2023-24 aren't going to be that bad. Let's continue to invest in mutual funds because that's where the advertising dollars comes from, et cetera. What you have to look at is the fact, Jim Chanos pointed out, since 1980, there has never been a bear market ended that did not end with the trailing S&P 500 PE uh, not being between nine and 14 times earnings. Well, the S&P 500 Peak earnings is about 200 bucks right now. So even if you get to 14 times that 200 bucks, you get to 2,800 on the S&P, which is down a long way from over 4,000 where we are now. And then you look at this massive amount of debt. Again, uh, interest rates have been up, but a lot of the debt for corporate America has been hasn't rolled off yet, has not yet matured. But when that debt renews at higher rates and then operating earnings are also lower, then those earnings are going to get decimated. And therefore, the S&P earnings are going to go down dramatically. And therefore, then the PE is going to be much lower. And therefore, there's going to be massive issues ahead with increased unemployment, and you then you look at the massive amount of 
federal debt we have. Right. And essentially, uh, we can always bail out. Here we're bailing out banks, et cetera. That we don't uh, have the money for. We don't have the money for. And eventually, mm-hmm. if you haven't looked, our adversaries, the BRICS, the Russians, Brazilians, Chinese, Indians, they're worried about this global hegemon that we are with the dollar as a world's reserve currency. And they are potentially moving against that. They do not prefer this unipolar world that we have in terms of global currency. And they're starting to work with the Saudis in terms of pricing oil, buying oil and renimbis. There's so, what, so what you're saying is that America is for sure losing their steam with the dollar on the world market. It's something we've been deeply concerned with. You see that happening right now. Exactly. Yeah, okay. I see that's right. happening. If they don't begin to admit they have a problem, we could very well see another chapter of 1930 uh, to 1939. Is that a correct statement, sir? Yes, sir. It, it certainly is. And, and there's been a lot of bears like myself who have been uh, Jeremy Grantham as an example. You know, he's been concerned about this for a long, long time. He's a guy much more experienced, much richer, much higher AUM than I ever had. And he has been very concerned about this kicking the can down the road forever. And there there are a number of others that are very concerned. We we, we don't just have a blank checkbook forever. And people in Congress have gotten used to the fact that, oh, well, we we can just print money and move on down the road. And people used to be concerned about $20 trillion and it got to 25. Now it's 33 trillion. But people like Senator Ron Johnson, they understand this. They understand how much trouble we can be in. If we're looking for a strategy with families or individuals, families, businesses, small, middle America, we're people, real people here. You've got here high-flying stocks. You've got the crypto. You've got real estate. You've got cash. Of course, cash was always king, they said, right? You've got long-term treasury bonds. Uh, Gold and silver is another big deal. Just give me a line. Where do you where do you put the effort? What's what do we stay away from? What do we do right now? Well, I'd stay away from high flying stocks. I would really consider uh, treasuries probably in a ten year duration area because I think rates are going to go lower. I think the economy is going to fall off a cliff. I love gold and gold stocks. Uh, gold is gold is approaching two thousand here. Uh, Gold is a place to be with your money because essentially gold is money. As but isn't as- it already peaked? Isn't it already peaking coming down now or what? Well, no, I think gold has a lot higher to go. Okay. People at Stansberry Research just pointed out they've got a prediction of $3,000 for gold by the end of the year. So uh, you still think gold is a, is a decent, reasonable investment for one then? I think it's a phenomenal investment because I think there's going to be potentially reconfiguration of the, the global system, more like a plaza accord, mm-hmm. et cetera, because moving away from the dollar unipolar status, and therefore you want to own gold. Now, let me ask you this now, with the long-term treasury bonds, what happens there if we've got a government that is mismanaged, that is failing, and there's no trust in government and it does collapse, why are treasury bonds still a good, uh, a good bet? I still think that's... Uh, three or four chapters down the road. I think 
in terms of the credit risk for treasuries. Uh, the junk bonds are going to go a lot, you know, earlier than our treasuries are. And therefore, I think rates are going to fall, even if the risk premium increases somewhat for treasuries. Right. I still think treasuries are going to be, you know, a place to be for a okay. while. So for like a goal too. Okay. So for families and businesses that uh, have, uh, maybe they have 100,000, maybe they have 200,000, 300, something like that. What are we talking? What percentage would you put? Would it be 50, 50, 80, 20? Uh, they said between treasury bonds and, and, and I assume you want to keep cash as well. Cash is king still, right? I mean, well, how would you split that percentage up? Okay. So I would say you would be maybe 15% in high yielding, you know, S&P stocks, you know, just because you have to be diversified period, but you should be able to buy companies, you know, that are out of favor with 5% dividend yields. I'd say uh, 30% cash that gets us to 45%. Uh, I'd say, uh, 30% 10-year uh, treasuries and 30% gold. So, all right. Very interesting. Thank you for that. Now, let, let's jump over here real quickly to the grid down power off. This is a phenomenon. This, this First of all, this movie is very well done. Um, there's no doubt about that. I've seen it, the whole thing, and it, it was very riveting. And it's very real. Um, it's, it's a wake-up call is what it is. You felt, a, I'm going to guess, a calling in you to do this project which I did tell Senator Johnson about a bit too, but grid down, power up. Uh, and, and by the way, that is on the America Out Loud site right now, friends. If you go to the website, not the mobile phone now, but on a laptop or computer, because there's a left sidebar there you only see on the laptop or uh, desktop, if you will. And you'll see the um, grid down, power up emblem, uh, and you'll be able to connect right to their site and all of that. So go go check that out. Uh, how's this film going? How's it going for you? So it's it's going very well. We're making significant impact in the Texas legislature. We fully expect to have a bill passed creating a commission for the state of Texas to be able to tell the utilities and create state regulations about what needs to be done protecting our electric grid. Awesome. Uh, we, we understand Florida you know, there's legislation being proposed there. Uh, we're working at the federal level in okay. terms of I'm talking to senior uh, current chairman of the Energy and Commerce Committee, as well as the wow. uh, also the chairman of Homeland Security Committee. I'm having meetings in D.C. next week. Yeah. Individuals need to watch this show and then yeah. send it to 10, 20 of their peers yeah. Yeah. and have them send it to 10 yeah. to 20 of their peers. Yeah, we need to do our part here because the film deserves to be seen. There's no doubt about it. I'm very pleased to hear the the bullet points you just gave, the one, two, three, four. It gives me a real uh, moment here to think that you're doing something with us, David. And man, I, I congratulate you there that it wasn't just a, a fruitless exercise that uh uh, that that you're really following it through. We got to talk more about this. There's a lot more to talk about, uh, David. I'm out of time here, but thank you. This is a marvelous uh, conversation we just had on the entire market. Your expertise there and this grid down power up. Uh, thank you, sir, for joining me on Viewpoint this Sunday. 
Always great to be with you, Malcolm. Friends, we're going to take a quick pause here now and uh, got a very interesting piece coming up now uh, that I want you to hear in the future of healthcare. It's going to be quite fascinating with Foster Carlson. Stay right there, friends. More Viewpoint in just a moment. We are the vision of the voices. You can email us at talk at americaoutloud.com. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com, seven amazing years. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. I want to talk a little health care next with you, and uh, this has certainly taken a big part of our lives. We know that. We've learned a lot, but you know, health care has really become a game of fear, sadly, from what I see, anyways. You know, throughout the pandemic, it was the fear of getting COVID, you know, and the misinformation that prevented folks from getting early treatment, right? That all created a fear-based atmosphere and people being forced into hospitals. I know I experienced this myself with my own wife. I know what I'm talking about here. And you know that out there, you know? And and then when they got in the hospital, they lost complete control over their decision-making. And ultimately some of them, many of them, too many, their lives, Sad, a very sad day in America, for sure. All of this quickly transitioned to a, uh, well, I'd say, a bit of a hostile environment where vaccine shots were forced onto uh, very unsuspecting people who had previously, let's face it, they trusted government officials and government agencies. I mean, they all couldn't be wrong, could they? Would they all let us down? Yeah. And companies, organizations, and governments then uh, mandated that everyone get a vaccine. And then if you didn't, you know, yeah, it's like the red scarlet letter. You were called out and uh, all kinds of things happened. Problems within families, problems within friends, problems within companies, associates, you name it. And this was a whole new level of fear that struck at the heart of medical freedom. Fast forward to present day and all of these people who had the vaccine shots are now in fear of being seriously injured or even death with these uh, messenger RNA vaccines. Wow. Let me bring on here now a gentleman, happy to introduce him here on the network here. Foster Carlson joins me. Uh, He is the founder and chairman of the Wellness Company. Uh, They are a really uh, amazing up-and-coming healthcare organization that's uh, doing something a little different, flipping the cards, putting people first, if you will. What a novel idea, huh? (laughs) And uh, promoting what I just talked about, medical freedom, really. Uh, so they're they're uh, new at this, but the family certainly has origins in many different industries. Foster, welcome to Viewpoint this Sunday. It's a privilege to have you here, sir. Malcolm, thanks for having me. 
Well, what I just lay out there about this fear, healthcare has become entirely political. I mean, I, I talk about, I mean, never in my lifetime have I seen something like this where it's just immediately political. Uh, who's to blame for this political and why all this fear, do you think? What's going on? Yeah, I appreciate that, Malcolm. And I think, you know, part of my issue is, and I think we can all agree probably where the fear was started and, and the fear mongering that's been going on. But my issue now is that a lot of that fear is being perpetuated even from the right because they want to prove the left so wrong that they're now perpetuating that very same fear. And and we all know what's happened over the last three years. And don't get me wrong. I'm all for continually educating the public. I'm all for fighting for justice by those who created this. But we need to emerge from that fear and that hate. And that's where we need to focus on hope, focus on building something together so this doesn't happen again. And that's what the wellness company is all about. That's what we're trying to build. And that's what we're fighting for, a company that can stand shoulder to shoulder with some of these amazing leaders like the like some of our founders, Dr. McCullough, Dr. Rish, Dr. Gessling, Amerling, Alexander, the late Dr. Zelenko, to try and usher in this new age of health and wellness. Do you think the reason for that, uh, when you mentioned the right there as well, and let's face it, extremists live in both houses, left and mm -hmm. right, to foster, to be sure, to be clear, and I, I tell that all the time, but do you think some of that really comes under the, the guise of... Um, accountability. In other words, many of these cats were doubling and tripling down. I'm, I'm just throwing this theory out there. I don't really know. But, the, you know, the, with this being, you know, really pushed down people's throats in unprecedented ways. Do you think some people now with this, what you're presenting, maybe as fear, and it, it very well could be, but do you think some of it is that they're demanding accountability? So they're sort of like, you know, 90, 90, boo, boo. But it's like, you know, I want an answer. You know, I want something right now. I mean, is it that kind of a thing? Though? I mean, really, though? I mean, I don't know. Is it? You know, I think there's a lot of ways to approach things in life, you know, and that's partly what defines us. I think that there are a lot of people that are demanding accountability, possibly in the wrong ways. You know, I think fighting for justice is very different than, you know, posting video after video of people that are dropping down who are, you know, they're claiming that they were, let's say, vaccinated. I think that type of fear that's being perpetuated, that that is what needs to stop because that's not helping anybody. That's not helping anybody heal. That's not helping anybody trying to create that type of hope that there is, you know, there are products, there are treatments, there are things that you can do yeah. that can try and help, you know, make you healthy again. It's not, you know, and there were so many people, Malcolm, that I think, and so many people I knew um, that did get, did decide to get vaccinated, whether it was, you know, because they thought it was the right thing to do or because they were shamed into it or because they were bullied into it. I, I mean, that's really irrelevant at the end of the day. You know, what we need to focus on and what we need to move towards is whether you took it or not, you know, you deserve to be healthy. And if you have concerns, let's focus on addressing them. Let's focus on, on products and treatments that can try and help you, you know, live a, a great, healthy and well life, not just, focus on the negativity of it all yeah um yeah and, th and that might sound naive i get that but you know no. i think there's a lot of people that are really struggling out there right now who don't know where to go who don't know what to do and when they look at the news or they go to twitter or go to these other <clears> sites <throat> they're seeing both sides posting these videos where you know there's not a lot of hope there anymore i mean really what you're talking about is which should be a wonderful thing is uh, how do we pull out the politics out of healthcare again that's what you're saying Agreed. i mean really i mean you never hear it said that way out there 
But what we're really talking about is the common denominator here is how do we pull the politics out of healthcare again? And, you know, it's almost simultaneously now on America Out Loud, and it's it's really crazy. But anytime we post a story now, a healthcare story or a, or a podcast or anything, it almost, it's I'm telling you, sincerely, it's simultaneously. Once you click the category of healthcare, I'm telling you now, 9.9999 times you have to click the next category of political, almost always. I never did that in my life. But now it's it's simultaneous. You healthcare political, healthcare political, healthcare political. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's routine, and that's what's happened to healthcare. It's it's gone that way. It's it's been taken over by the extremists and the oligarchs who are now running the farm. Let's talk about the future of healthcare right now because this is what we're all kind of wondering and thinking right now. Is that um, you know how do we pick up those pieces and move forward? What what we were just talking about here. COVID changed a lot of things. Telemedicine became a real thing in a big way, and it really served a great purpose uh, through the entire COVID experience uh, for a lot of reasons that were very clear. Uh, just as homeschooling became a big thing in the education part, our mm-hmm. lives were changed instantly. So how what does that future of healthcare look like moving forward here? Well, right now, I actually believe it's under attack again by big pharma and the establishment because there's so many virtual care companies that are just turning into the big pharma vending machine Pez dispensers, right? Text to get a drug, text to get your script. Now you look at what Amazon's doing. They've done a fabulous job lowering the bar even further. Send us an email for a script. It's not care. It's peddling drugs. And and we're trying to focus on a new type of care where doctors don't go immediately to Big Pharma's medicine cabinet. Hmm. They're educated on naturopathic and holistic products. They take the time to understand your concern. We have world-class programs to help de-prescribe from your meds. We address solutions on tough subjects like long COVID, vaccine reactions, exemption letters, We have exemption letters that we're writing for kids in school that want to run in track and don't want to get vaccinated. And and we're creating products that are science-based, but they're natural products that are addressing some of today's biggest concerns like spike protein, healthy heart, immune systems. That's what we're putting our blood, sweat, and tears into trying to create in this this new new company that we're we're building now. Yeah. And um, when did the wellness company come on the scene, actually? We launched okay. it in June of 2022. Okay, mid year. Uh, right. Yeah, mid mid year, and um, the support's been overwhelming. We have a tremendous amount of people now that that have come to us that are our you know our our members and yeah. you know our. But our I have members. to ask you something. What was the attraction? To, I mean, not everybody starts a wellness company every day. I mean, it's a, it's a big deal. What what was the uh, uh, the pivotal point of why you did this? I, I don't even know the answer to that. What is it? Yeah. So so. Before COVID, it seems like we all have lives, right? Before COVID and after COVID. Yeah, yeah. Um, but before COVID, I was really focused on environmental and sustainability companies. And, and then I met in 2021, I, I met Dr. Vladimir Zelenko. And he kind of changed my world and opened my eyes in a lot of ways. We became very close and, and helped him start his business. And he really showed me the inner workings of big pharma and some of this government overreach. And... And the censorship and, and everything else that went along with it. So that coupled with, um, you know, my wife growing up, she had she was vaccine injured, 
Um, my son before COVID with just the, the routine shots, he was vaccine injured too. So it, all of this combined, it mm. really sparked something in me that this, this has to, this has to wow. change. Wow. And, you know, p- part of it is I believe in fate and, and that the battles choose you. And with what happened and what's happened in my life and the people around me, Malcolm, this is a battle that chose me. And I really have this strong sense of urgency to Mm -hmm. to spend the rest of my life creating something that can hopefully leave a really positive impact. This fight became very personal to you, Foster. It had to be. It, It did. And, you know, a huge piece of inspiration for me was Dr. Vladimir Zelenko. And, you know, he created light in so many people's lives when they were surrounded in darkness. And, you know, one of the last things that I'll always remember to the rest of my life, Malcolm, that I I pull on and, and, you know, helps motivate me and, and, you know, makes me fight harder and harder every day. You know, one of the last things he said to me is, is even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And from a guy who spent his last months, hours on life, in you know, uh, in life, in in this life, um, who who decided to fight for everybody else when he was battling cancer, and and you know, just the courage that he showed. Uh, he's a real inspiration, and he's an inspiration for me. And I think about him every day um, because he was just one of those special people in life. So it, th- this is th- this is much much deeper yeah. than just a business. This is a life mission now, yeah. yeah. And I can see it so clearly. And we have such an amazing team that are like minded. And you know, in a company, I mean, I've had lots of companies, and you know, you have you have team members and you have employees. This is totally different. This is a family, yeah. And it's a very different type of company culture than I've ever had before because yeah. you have a group of like minded people that all want the same thing fiercely, and they're willing to fight tooth and nail every minute of every day to make it happen. And it's, it's really, it's, it's amazing to be a part of this. Uh, with all this said, first of all, I want to invite you this coming week uh, to um, uh, our signature program of Marvelous, uh, uh, another Marvelous program on the network, America Out Loud Pulse. And this is a fantastic program with best in class. Every day is a different doctor host. And on Wednesdays, uh, we record my co-host, Dr. Peter McCullough, the best and finest in the in the world, as far as I'm concerned, and uh, and yours truly here, host that Wednesday show. We want to invite you on there to have a deeper conversation about some of this and also make an extraordinary announcement on that broadcast Wednesday at uh, 5 o'clock, 5 p.m. Eastern time is when that show plays on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Will you join us there? Yeah, that would be wonderful, Malcolm. All right, we'll do it then. And so let me tell folks now, first of all, the website for uh, this, you want to know more about the wellness company, is going to be very simple. TWC.health, not .com, .health. TWC.health. So thank you for joining us here on Viewpoint this Sunday, sir. Thank you, Malcolm. Thank you for having me. Much appreciated. Okay, my friends, that is a wrap here. Another great one in the books. Thank you for joining me on the mission as always here. It's time to get involved and get loud, America.